0: Hello, my name is Peter Cinnamon and you're very welcome to a podcast which is all about the Irish League, where we have our very first major final of the season set. In games where refereeing decisions dominated the post-match discourse, Linfield Best of the Swifts poured it on at last amid all rivals Glenavon in semi-finals to set up the Premiership versus Championship League Cup showdown for March. We're going to review all of the big calls in those games, recap Another weather-impacted weekend in the top flight we will ask what does this January transfer window still have for us left in store, all on your latest weekly edition of Kicking Match. Thank you very much for joining me this week. If you're, I don't know, a long-time listener or you're just a new convert, may as well plug it at the start for a little change if you are not a follower or subscriber to the pod you can do that if you listen to me via spotify or via apple podcast super easy it's free just a little button there on the program page and it means that you are one of the first ones to know when a brand new podcast is out and i mean the way things are going at the minute with all these great games with all these transfer news that are coming out you want to get your fix of kick a match asap and with that with haste Let's get my guests in this week. It's great to welcome back to the pod, scribe, and fellow
1: podcaster. Hello, Ali McCalmont. Hi, Peter. Happy uh, end of January. It's been a long, old month.
0: We are almost there. I know. I I feel like we've given up saying Happy (laughs) New Year to everybody. But now I'm suddenly looking at... ...that little calendar tick away... ...and I'm thinking, my goodness, we are nearly in February... ...well done all you dry January people... ...because you have nearly <laughs> made it... Yeah. ...and with January comes the cold weather... ...I know we talk about it all the time... ...and unfortunately what comes around with it... ...and it's impacting this podcast as well as fans... ...and television broadcasts... ...dodgy weather, I mean... ...the storm was a storm... ...the cold snap was the cold snap... ...but we come here with four games to talk about... ...it's all weather related once again... I'm not here to go through all of the sides when it comes to this discussion but you must say, and I actually don't know which way you, you lean on this, but this lottery it feels like with games being on off because of the weather and because it's January it is frustrating.
1: Yeah it can get a little bit difficult and it's it's kind of the price we pay for for having that sort of season that we have but it does get a little bit difficult um, and obviously we've got some games coming up midweek this week as well. I know I think the Northwest final's already gone, but there's a couple of finals coming up this week. It'd be terrible for them to be off. And obviously we, we had the two big semi-finals last week. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on them at some stage. But if we think back to, to last week, I mean, Tuesday morning was really bad in the morning and we thought, are these two games going to get get cancelled? And it would have been awful for and haven't poured down game to be off and also done against against like, two big games which would have had to be put back and tried to squeeze in the calendars but thankfully the rain came that day and washed away the snow and uh, we managed to get get the two semi-finals in which was good unfortunately we lost the game on Friday and we and lost one on Saturday so it does, does sort of curtail and you always like to look at a league table when it's, it's everybody's played the same amount of games as soon as it becomes a few games behind it's difficult to sort of gauge where teams are at a little bit Especially at the top, you know, and with the Cliftonville one just being one game behind there, you would really love it for them to get on the same game, so you can really sort of see where we're where we're heading to. But yeah, it's frustrating, but you know, we we've got to get on with it.
0: I know we're somewhat blessed by this unnaturally perfect Premier League in England, where almost every game goes ahead, and if it doesn't, it is like almost headline news. And there's plenty of games up and down the leagues in England and Scotland that are being booted off for weather-related reasons. But when we want this league to progress and we have... Now, I think that's at least off the top of my head. That's the second televised game which has had to be binned this season because of weather-related issues. And, and And we are looking to get broadcasters in if you can't guarantee that your game is going to happen that is just that that's that's kind of a a big deal and I I don't know what the solution is if it's something that can be or or should be fixed by a hard decision because I know some people will point to all the artificial surfaces but we don't know the long-term future of artificial surfaces in their current makeup because of European law when it comes to the rubber infill. So, we, we could see that coming down the track where we become a completely rubber infill league, and then that can't happen in the next five years. That's something that can't be there long term. So, we don't know what the issue is. And of course, we have had uh, one occasion this season where the Dungannon plastic pitch still didn't pass through <laughs> a weather related issue there. So, you know, that's not it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not getting into all that, but you're <laughs> yeah. a- absolutely right. That game last Tuesday league cup semi-final between Portadown and glenavon i know the dungana linfield one also happened in Ghana but you know that one yeah you, you had the stream going on with that big bumper crowd pretty much sellouts or almost sellouts in both ends that was a big occasion and for it to be wiped away because of the weather and it's because of it being played at one of the worst periods that you can play sport outside you're thinking what are we, what are we doing here sometimes but we will park all discussions about that and we will maybe just touch upon those League Cup games. Why not? Uh, because they have now it's set up a big final, pencilled in for March. We'll start with the mid Ulster Derby because it seemed to be the one that uh, most people have probably seen. Portadown win out. Strange little game. Lots of frustrations from both sets of fans in regards to the impact the referee had the game. But... I've got to say, the atmosphere just was electric for that game. Yeah,
1: the very the last point you've made there, I, I couldn't agree more. I was at the game. I, w- I was working at the game with 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 sort of the TV company I was with, and and they were were streaming the game as you mentioned. But we were we were on the down side, Now, obviously it helps that the, we were on the side that won the game in the end of the day. But last Tuesday night, they they were really up for the game. Whether it was the fact that they were going in as as underdogs and up against it and championship type of, and whatnot, but they they were fantastic from the minute they arrived. Their their songs were good and and they just kept going the whole game. Got that penalty after twenty or so minutes and that just gave them something to hold on to and and from the minute one and I have to say at the end of the game, Glenavon fans maybe won't won't sort of say the same thing, but the scenes at the end were were, were special, I have to say, you know, the fans sort of stuck around and, and give the, the players a, a good send off there for getting to the final. And as I said, they've been they've been maligned in the past for being a little bit overcritical, the Ports fans. But um when they're good, they're good, let's put it that way. And now Curry, you know, again, some people like he's a bit more of my character, but he's got it right there and uh, and they've got they've got their final. But the whole the whole game was was it wasn't look, like, let's say it wasn't the hash quality of standard of game. But Portadown, I think, certainly deserved their place in the final. They really nullified Avon after coming off a good result at Carrick the week before. Um, they really nullified Avon and uh, I think they deserved it, whether or not it was a penalty. I've had many back and forward with a few people about whether it was a penalty, and the good thing was we can all watch it back now and see it um, and make your own mind up. I personally probably would say... It wasn't a penalty uh, in that the ball had gone wide and he wasn't getting over the keeper to tuck it into the net. If that had been the case, certainly it was a penalty. But look, it was given. Uh, There were other incidents, certainly the Callum-Burney non-sending off at the end, probably the the highlight. But, you know, a few refereeing decisions that maybe were a little bit questionable. But overall, a fantastic occasion, really, it was. uh Obviously, the, the Reds fans went home the went home the there.
0: You pinpoint all the big moments with the penalty and the Callum Burney non-red card, and I was on the other side of both of them. I was very surprised that was a penalty for Porter down. It felt this was Zach Barr, well, he did. He had already taken his shot. He had poked it wide, and then he fell into the keeper rather than being taken down by the keeper. Interestingly... Steve McDonald, the Glen Alvin manager, thought it was a penalty. But, I mean, if you are a fan of the side that gets blown against, I mean, you're absolutely furious. Especially the fact that that was the difference between the sides. And then the Calm Burney late on tackle on the poor down player, which would have been a second yellow to send him off. It was late in the game. I mean, I think that's a fairly run-of-the-mill yellow card. It takes the player out in free flowing running and it was it really took him out, it's quite cynical. But I mean if you watch that game in full, there was just yellow cards for absolutely everything. I mean, both sets of fans were being driven mad bad. And then on the big occasion, the big moment, as much as it probably didn't wouldn't have an impact, it was so late in the game, then that wasn't a yellow card. You're thinking, what is what what is going on? And yeah. that and that is really frustrating for fans because the one thing you ask for is consistency. If it's consistently soft yellows, then there you go. Uh, if it's consistently not being called for what you might say is being a top of a player, pulling, whatever, then that's just the lay of the land in this game, regardless of how people feel about it. So those were the key decisions that went against the four both teams. Poor down went out. I mean, I thought Glen Avon simply didn't turn up. I watched them the Saturday beforehand and I thought, my goodness, Glen Avon are potentially going to tear this Porter Down team apart and they're going to score early and they're going to keep the pressure on, especially at home. But they just were not there. All the key players that, that sparkled against Carrick weren't to be seen. And McDonald's tried to fire on a whole load of extra players and it it, it didn't seem to change the game significantly. Maybe Robbie, Robbie Garrett uh, had a bit of an impact, but they just couldn't get going up front. And then for Porter Down, they just had this very clear tactic of play it long and try and beat the man and he did it time after time it was very basic but it worked and Zach Barr beating pretty much because Danny Walls had a head start on him beating him in a foot race was what won that penalty and I don't think Zach Barr as much as I've followed his career has an electric turn of pace himself so I mean pour down a game plan it worked really well they missed a bag load of chances and they're now in a final. Incredible. They won this trophy last time out when they're in the championship. I mean, that would be one of the stories of the season if they were to do it against themfield who are their opponents. But if you're a down fan who's just had multiple seasons probably of just down and out misery almost, this must have felt great. And to be in the championship and looks to struggle almost week in and week out against championship opposition... As somebody messaged me, they're now unbeaten against top flight opposition. It's <laughs> just a mad stat.
1: Yeah, Neil. A uh, uh, post game, I, I had an interview with with Niall Curry, and he actually did mention that that you know they've they've matched and and beaten now lock all Crusaders in this competition in the League Cup, lock all Crusaders and now going on and beating Glenavon. And they've they've not looked out of place in any of those games. They've matched their opponents, if not been better. And Carrick in the Irish Cup Irish as well. Irish Cup as well with Carrick. Um, we'll, we'll gloss over that one, Peter. Um, yeah, but they've matched. They've certainly matched their their Premiership opponents. But what he did also say, and to be fair to him, he says we've matched the Premiership opponents, but in the Championship, we've looked out of our depth on occasions against Championship teams. Um, which you know could be quite port-a-downish if you want that they, they, they could go on and win a League Cup here and end up not getting promotion if they don't sort of finish the season well, which would be very important to And he said, you know, they get the highs and the lows, massive high of going and winning a a trophy and then not getting back into the Premiership, which let's be fair, everybody does expect them to do so. But, you know, looking at them, I've seen them sort of twice in the last few weeks, as you've so kindly mentioned there, (laughs) that, um, yeah, they, they look that the team should go ahead. Now they've got Zach Barr as the focal point up front there. And he looks to be a good good acquisition that gives them that sort of bounce-off player that they can't hit him and and get these players around him. Ram Mays looks to have found a wee bit of wee bit of form and and you know Kieran Dobbin as well coming in. But as you mentioned on a previous pod, they've not only got players in there ported down, they've picked up players from other sort of rival players from teams that are in and around them. Um so so a good bit of business, as they would say, from the ports, but they've still got the job to do, and I know. There's the, other, there's the other factor as well that maybe players will be looking towards that final in March now and take their eye off the ball a little bit in the league, and they, they really can't afford to do that in the championship because it's a, it's a cracking league this year.
0: Well, they're fighting on many fronts, and I felt bad for Glenavon fans because you're sitting there with your rivals who you've bested numerous times. It's in your home stadium. You've packed it out with well over a thousand and a bit fans and I mean they just did not turn up like what an opportunity they had to go back to the final it feels like actually a bit of a hot minute since Glenavon actually have been back to to a final nor that a good run in the mid 2010s there but that, that you know they, they let that slip through their fingers and in many ways they can only look at themselves in the mirror and, and blame themselves because Bourdain did all right but God, haven't somewhat defeated themselves there but like a yeah. Portadown it on or to have a glorious day at Windsor Park they will have slain an absolute giant Linfield beat out Dungannon in that other semi-final at Stangmore Park so it's it's the two away teams uh who win on that night and this was a, a tight little game Dungannon flared and, and showed all of their skill fight and Linfield go down to 10 men because Eunice gets sent off and once again it's the referee in the spotlight here because the second goal which which gives Linfield that, that goal advantage come the final whistle is this really confusing and bizarre goal when you see it and it all centres around was Matthew Fitzpatrick well there's no questioning he was offside but was he active in the play like I want referees to be really clear not just throw the flag up every time they see an offside player or a player they think's offside. But, I mean, that must have been so confusing for the Dungannon back line. And I, I think it absolutely played a key part in Cam McLean picking up that ball and eventually, after one or two tries, putting the back of the net.
1: I obviously was keeping an eye on that while, while I was watching the, the Glenavon game. I was keeping really over that game. And I watched the interviews afterwards and I... I'm going to probably mention this later on about uh, managers and players and coaches all shouting about referees' decisions and stuff, but I was amazed how cool and calm Rodney McAree was after that game, because my my club's obviously a little provincial sort of club and and Dungannon something similar. Limfield get the finals left, right and centre. Dungannon, this was their massive chance to get to a League Cup final again. I know they've won it fairly recently, but they don't come around too often. For that decision, I mean, anybody that's watch that surely you cannot come away and think that he wasn't interfering with play he's literally a yard to two yards away from from McLean as he goes through so surely the defenders are thinking right and stop even for a split second the goalkeeper's going to stop for a split second the back four's going to stop for a split second and, and yes the flag can go up on the, on, the uh, but you've got to have a discussion there didn't seem to be any discussion between, between officials about what's going on here and I just I just I remember one last year in the Premier League you know and uh, and the Manchester derby was something similar where Rashford went quite close to the ball but if you're that close to the ball I mean you've got to be interfering with play and it just it sort of took it away a little bit as it, as it put it 2-0 but whenever Dongaran get that goal back and the final score is 2-1 it just all highlights again and he, he, you know I just feel for Dongaran a little bit because this this was a big opportunity for them at home and things just didn't go their way. You know, they, they, they're they playing better now and they hung into the game, but just that, that took away all the, all the gloss of the game. Unfortunately for me, there's was that one one decision.
0: I feel for managers in that situation because I agree with you as much as I talk about Glen Alvin, feeling as though they had a great opportunity there. Dungannon will feel as though they had a real fight on their hands and they weren't aided due to a decision that they felt was wrong. There's always going to be human error here but after seeing those two games the highlights of them looking back at the Crusaders game which I talked so much about last week in the podcast I then was at not to a huge extent I guess in this game but I was at Linfield against Crusaders on Saturday and I mean there was lots of minor complaints to the referees decision making in that game no no big moments and it, it stuck with me just what Stephen Baxter said or at least in my head as he said talking about how you know referees coming out and and explaining decisions or or backing it up and I I, like it almost seems strange that that the managers are hand tied and and they're sitting there going well I'm really I'm not allowed to complain too much about the referee or the decision making I know it's human error and, and it's respect for the referees and they don't have the ability to come out and defend themselves maybe maybe they should maybe they should come out and and explain what happened I know they're probably explaining to, to the managers but they, these are big big moments and I I don't want anybody to face abuse or any of that type of stuff but this is yeah
1: I, I look I, I feel quite quite strongly about this one and look I, I I'll be a little bit controversial maybe and go against you on this one because I can I, I kind of see where you're where, where people are coming from and if, if a referee comes out and explains for example why he made that decision in the Linfield game or the or the Crusaders penalty from the other week that's okay. But for me, football just has become such a partisan and, and one blinkered sort of way of looking at things. And I, I just think if if referees come out and give explanations, we'll we'll just hammer them for the explanation rather than the decision then. We'll we'll start to we'll start to pin pick through every single word that they've said and oh I can't say that and because they're doing that kind of thing with VAR in the Premier League now. Hard web was told to come out and give these and as soon as he comes out and explains how the referee came about, then they pick on that. So if it goes against your team, it's just the way football is now. I'm afraid it's just gone so bipartisan. If it's for you, it's great. If it's against you, it's not. And I think just, I think we want, I mean, you mentioned the word consistency. I don't ever think we'll ever get consistency across game by game. My problem with the down game, as you've kind of mentioned, was there was inconsistency within the game. So it was the same referee making the different decisions within the game. And I think we can expect maybe a little bit better there. But from game to game, you're gonna get different, different decisions. And I just think the whole the whole um we create our own problem here because as fans, as managers, as coaches, and as players, we now want every decision in our favour. And I just I'm looking at every game now, looking for every tackle. Every penalty, every red, you know, screaming for cards, players going down. And we create our own problem then because then the referees say, well, you were cheating there. or You didn't try that. or, And then they say, well, I'm not going to give that. And then if it doesn't go for you, they're yeah, picking up on, on other things. So just it's, a, it's an extremely difficult area to get into because we just want what we want. You know, everybody wants their own their own decisions in their own way and sometimes you got to look back and say if that went against us would would we be happy with it or whatever and if we're honest but we're not often honest unfortunately
0: it's something that it's a continuing topic it's a hot topic everybody brings up and it will be something no doubt we will talk about moving forward but uh look back at the past seven days that's what this podcast is all about in the irish league and i mean past week for Linfield everything pretty much has come up Millhouse. they are able to slink away back to Windsor Park from the Swifts with that uh, place in the final in their pocket like I said that's going to happen the 10th of March big Sunday game there and then uh, at Windsor they host Crusaders and they get away 1-0 they are top of the tree still in fact, all of all of the top teams that played there got a victory, so it was imperative that Linfield kept themselves going there. And despite all their frailties, despite everything that hasn't gone their way, I actually thought Crusaders grew into this game, give a good account themselves, and maybe Linfield are tired from all these games coming thick and fast, a bit of uh, of a hangover from Tuesday, but. I I thought Linfield didn't really play up to their usual standards in this game. I I think a part of that also might be the fact that they are still missing a lot of their key players. But it's uh, a big run by uh, Josh Archer, who scores his first goal for Linfield there. And as I'm sure many Linfield fans will say, uh, these are the games that you need to win if you want to be champions. They will move on, forget about this game, because it was three points in the bag.
1: Yeah, it was a it was another struggle. Ultimately, successful afternoon for Linfield, and you know David Haley will be delighted to to get it over with and get get away. You mentioned about the games there. I mean, I th- I think you were at the game, but I mean, I from from seeing what I've seen, the only real piece of quality in the game was was the goal. Archer third man run from midfield broke the back line, but I think the best bit about it wasn't the fact that he he broke the line. He got through, but then he was under a lot of pressure and managed to hold off the defender, showed his strength, and then I could see a lot of the times those sort of shots skewing off and going left and right, but he managed to, to ping it into the corner. And he, he's he been one of those players for an infield that's been out on loan for a couple of seasons. But now with a few injuries in the middle of the park there, he's, he's got his opportunity. And probably, um, probably the worst news he got this week was Chris Shields signing a new two-year contract the other day. Because uh, that's another one he's got he's to go against him, but obviously brilliant for the Blues to, to get him in. But just more... more- more generally on, on Limfield, it just for me, from my point of view, it just seems that there's a sort of a slow and progressive movement here that they're trying to move in forward areas into younger younger players again. Obviously it's sometimes on them a wee bit because of injuries and things, but you know, you're looking at Archer now, McGee, Mc McBrian, McBrien, McBrain, whichever you wish, and that Doherty, all coming in now and getting starts. And, you know, that could be really valuable for, for David Healy because he can bring these players in now and trust them a wee bit and they can rest Cooper you can rest McKee, and then these players that are coming back, like, you know, Fallon, I think, was on the bench on, on Saturday, you can he can ease these guys back in there and rather than throwing them straight back into 90 minutes, you can give them 10, 15 minutes there, give Cooper a rest and, and you know, just, just bringing those young players through, and you know, you mentioned a couple of weeks back about the signing of McKee, I know you, you, you kind of mentioned previously that he, he played wide at Duncan but I can see him maybe taking over, you know, everybody wants to take over from Jimmy Mulgrew, but it's been very difficult for years, but I could see him going into midfield there eventually for Limfield and maybe being that, that box-to-box player. He, he's got a wee bit about him and I, I like that signing for for Limfield I could see him just sitting in front of Chris Shields maybe in the next few years. But, you know, for Limfield everybody's looking at the here now maybe, but maybe just quietly in the background, they're building away for the next few years, which is a bit difficult for the rest of them.
0: You've set me up beautifully here. He started as right back, um, Ethan McGee there, and I mean, I just thought he oozed class. Uh, he did not look out of place. This is not a player that you could go, ah, that's somebody who's not used to playing with this team and is trying to get up to speed. He looked calm. He looked assured. He looked so confident on the ball, Was had the wherewithal to sit back, try and pick out a pass. He knew when to move. And... He is a player where he really could find himself anywhere beyond the centre back, really. You uh, can maybe even play centre back. I, I just thought he had such agility and ability, and I was very, very impressed with him. He's, he's one of the players where I thought Linfield have got this really, really right with him. And uh, look, this wasn't a completely negative experience from a Linfield point of view. I, I kind of highlight some of the frustrations from the home fans at Windsor Park, they tried so many times to play the ball over the top or, or try and get their runners going forward. And I mean, I don't know if there's a counter for offside flags, but it just kept coming and coming and coming. Be it Fitzpatrick, be it Miller, bit anybody. And in fact, that Josh Archer goal that was scored, that was the one that actually came off. They were trying those type of balls over and over and over again. And It was a, a brilliant little ball as well onto him. And, uh, you know, well done, to, to Josh Archer I'm sure he absolutely love that first goal at Windsor in a game that, that gets them the points he's had a really extended run in this team and, and his future with, with that team I'm sure he'll want to establish it with Val coming back there'll be questions uh, Chris Shields isn't, isn't isn't back and ready but that is a, a big bit of business for them to commit to him for two more years in his, in his early to mid 30s there so look they've seen the way G. Mulgrews has continued to be an impacting player for this team and, and they clearly think that Shields will have the legs and the ability to do that and I, and I still thought Mulgrew was able to pull the strings in midfield and late on the game they bring on McKee, and they particularly brought on Cooper and you go this team still has a couple of more gears to go up and, and they still do not have their best team and I mean even Cooper coming on to the pitch he just he was able to stretch the field even further showed that bit of quality and class that he has you know he is truly one of the best players in the league and for Crusaders they, they have been down in the dumps and the injury issues that are there was very much highlighted in this game they threw their brand new six foot six signing Kevin Joshua in from the start at centre-back to play alongside Billy Joe Birds. I know he's played there for a bit but there's your right-back slotted into centre-back. You bring in a brand new player to play centre-back. You've got Jordan Forsyth as right-back. At halftime, you then have to change things up. And then there's Laurie playing at centre-back beside uh, BJ Burns. And you're thinking, my goodness, this is a Crusaders team which is taped together. You have no Heatley due to suspension. And I, I must say, Crusaders were really good in the tackle. They were able to stop. A lot of the Linfield attacks before they could get into the box. It was just really good position play. You know, really good in the duels there. And they, they just couldn't capitalise when they got their opportunities up front. But Linfield defended very, very well. I mean, Jordan Owens came on at halftime. And he, he actually changed the game for Crusaders. His ability to just get those knockdown balls was excellent. And uh, you had Stuart Nixon get uh, a, a full game there for Crusaders. That's a big jump up for him. So... Crusaders will will see in the form table another loss here but when it comes to performance point of view I thought you know what Crusaders were well in this and even though Linfield were probably the better team there was a situation and even later on this could have happened Crusaders could have nicked something from this very very easily
1: <laughs> you, you were at the game as I say so tell, tell me what you thought of that that second half old school scrumash in there in the Linfield six-yard box, it was brilliant on the, on the highlights because you see the ball going into the six-yard box. It was just like the old days. There's 20 people in that six-yard box and the ball disappears. You can't even see where the ball is. You don't know where it's going to appear. And could it appear to have a red and black shirt just to kick it in? But if that had been live, it would have been excellent. <laughs> it was about 20 people trying to get on the ball.
0: Well, Mulgrew did very, very well to jump on top of it. And I mean... <laughs> if Cruz were to get anything from it, it probably would have felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth for Linfield because they had control of the game, but never were able to get it out of sight. Every time maybe a 10 minute patch would go through where Linfield have control of the ball, but aren't able to get any real strike on goal, all of a sudden Crusaders will go close. And unfortunately, there was a few, and there's only unlimited a, a opportunities a few times for Crusaders where in that key moment, the ball balloons wide. And the Linfield fans are thinking, that is a let-off. So what I really got from that game is Linfield are winning week in and week out. And even when they're not in full flow, uh, they are still able to play consistently and, and, and win that those battles overall. And I do think they will get caught out. And I think they have got caught out a few times. But again, gotten away with it. I'm thinking of... The Carrick game, the Worm Point game, the Dungannon game so far this season. At some point this will happen. But as we now think about the league in terms of how many games are left. And the fact that we've only got 12. And this stat has been thrown about quite a bit. This form of Windsor is the real backbone of this team. It was the backbone last season. Their real fault last year was their inability to take three points in games against other top six sides. But what they've always been brilliant at is beating the bottom six sides, but also their home form. The only side, or the only sides in the past, whatever it is, two, three years, that have won at Windsor is Lorne and Glenthorne. And I don't think Glenthorne play any more league games at Windsor. So it's pretty much Lorne is the only team who has a bit of history against Linfield that, I guess, recent history and, and form has indicated are likely to get any points so there's only a small little slither of games that Lorne and Cliftonville are hoping that Linfield will slip up on. Like I said Linfield have left the door open and then shut it quite quickly at times but I, I mean it's it's a case now of just keeping your head above water if you're Linfield.
1: I think you're right there in terms of looking at Saturday's game as, as an overall sort of picture that they are just getting over the line but David he was quite quite bullish in his press conference afterwards to say look at the league table we're not doing too bad here and he's, he's right but look I mean the, the options are still there for the other teams you know they're, they're not going away and it's been a great title race so far I'm sure we'll come on to the other two teams in the title race in a minute but it's been, it's been really good to see they're sort of taking it to another stage and even dropping two points is now looking at that's a loss, you know, I mean, it's really good that the league has, has got that stage and, you know, it is, it is, from my point of view, we'll come on to Cliffenville, but I'd like to see the three teams going head-to-head for the rest of the season and them feel and Cliffenville really slugging it out be, be really good.
0: We're going to park that little title race there and we'll go to an exciting another little tussle and that's now for these European places. Four will eventually become two at the end of the season and after last mm. week, Glen beating Carrick to all of a sudden sit up there in the top six again. Results don't go the way. Whisper it it quietly. (laughs) Games get called off. And it's now Carrick who are sitting up there in sixth, of course. Sixth or seventh will get you to the dance. But I mean, this is going to be an exciting couple of games for all of these teams. I know in many ways... Coleraine are the incumbents and they're the team with everything to lose here but they were the team that like they have done week in and week out recently are on the wrong end of result. Carrick Rangers go to the showgrounds 2-0's the score and like so many times we've seen this season Carrick's biggest highs usually come off the back of some of their lowest lows
1: it, it's so right. You, you, you're so right. It's a massive win for Carrick Rangers on the back of those two fairly poor performances at home against the two Mid Ulster sides in the cup against Portadown, and then an England Oven in the league in the new year. Here they're in sixth, and you know, you know there've been a lot of conjecture in the past few weeks that you know where were we going and stuff, but they're sitting. They were sitting two points off, and and went ahead and beat Cloncurry, on on sorry, moved up into that position now. As you've as you've mentioned, it's it's really really tight there, and they could easily within the next seven days, ten days drop down to ninth in a heartbeat. So I mean, sitting in sixth right now is is fantastic. Don't get me wrong for 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 Kirk Rangers, but you know, sixth and seventh is the goal. But that's another really interesting point of the league. It's not just about the the top three, and usually usually in the league you're looking at two teams playing for sixth and seventh and it it doesn't really matter you know sixth or seventh you're not gonna but this is now six seven eight nine and I would even go down to Dungannon I have still got a shot at it definitely so it's going right to the right to the wire here this is going to be as you say two places are up for grabs between maybe five teams and over the next few weeks one will maybe drop away and then catch up We but like a like maybe a cycle race in the in the in the Tour de France or something, they'll drop off the pace, and then suddenly you see them coming back again to tag on at the back, and you know it could, could go it could go either way in the next next few weeks. But for Carrick, that's a fantastic result away at away at Coleraine, Um, as it's been well documented by the manager and the team, they they haven't won there in thirty years, and some of the players hadn't even been born when that when that happened. But you know to go there and and not not nick it. They didn't nick it. Um, they, they played quite well. Coleraine, yes, had the bulk of play, but just showed a lack of confidence. Coleraine, really, just a lack of confidence in front of goal. And they were really relying on on you know, McKendree's left peg, as they, they have been quite a lot during this season, picking one out. They did have one really guilt-edged opportunity um, from McGonagall, but that didn't go their way. And then, Craig's goal looked scruffy, really scruffy goal from Cush. He, uh, he didn't hit that one like he used to do, but... Um, scruffed it in the corner, but if you look back at the goal it, it actually was a really well worked goal came from the left back area, played in the midfield, came back, knocked up to Danny Perkins, and he kind of skinned his, skinned his full back, got it into the box and then there was that sort of pinball and Cushley finished it and then that just plays into Carrick, Carrick Rangers away form at the minute, they can sit back with a one goal lead and just play on the break and that's exactly what they did and um, you know, they nicked the second one in a, in a couple of minutes to go. Danny Perkis nicked, nicked the second one. But, you know, a really, really big, <clears throat> big win for them. And their away form has been really, really good this season. Far better than than the home form. And, you know, I know around the club, they've been looking at ifs and Butts and mebbies. They've, they've lost Uri, Balamina, Glenavon twice at home, and Drew with Lockall. The only team in the bottom six that they've beaten was was, was Dungannon. And that was with a last minute penalty. So, you know, ifs and buts, if you win half of those games, you're, geez, you're, you're you're well clear in sixth, but, you know, I might not be overly popular here at the club, but I do think they need to look at this playing surface now, you know, I used to get really, really annoyed about clubs coming down saying, oh, we got to play on that pitch and stuff, but with the squad they've got now, it's maybe turning the other way that they do need a, a better surface to play on and, and, and sort of get, get the ball down and play a wee bit, but that's, that's maybe for the next next set of matches, the next set of seasons to come in, you know. But uh, be nice, be nice to get a, a really good pitch to play on.
0: Maybe you're referring to something else, but in my eyes, you're talking about just how bobbly that pitch is. I was at that Carrick Glenavon game, and it was just so bobbly. The ball would go maybe a foot in front of any player, and you just didn't know what direction it was going to bounce in in next. And you're 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 right, like. You see these results going for Carrick away from home on these different surfaces. And perhaps a bit of that is because Carrick break very, very well. I think Danny Perkis is underrated as a player with a bit of speed and the momentum he can build up dribbling and driving forward. I mean, he is top, top quality player in this league. I mean, he has everything you'd want from from a striker you know he has his off days like anybody but when he has the, the ball at his feet i mean he is so so dangerous and uh, on top of that you know I, I want to give a bit of shine to a player i don't think probably gets an, enough shine that's two weeks in a row where i think glendinning in goals has been a, a big part of the performance i know it didn't go well against Avon, but you know he stood tall on a number of occasions against Korean and uh you know that that's a team with plenty of firepower, and he kept them at bay in that game.
1: Yeah, um, a lot of chat at Carrick actually about about the goalkeeping situation, and Ross has been very, very good for us for for a good couple of years now. And I I, I would I would throw it out there as as a shot stopper, he, he is right up top of of the league, I think. I mean, as you say against Glenavon, there were a few pot shots from outside, the, which looked like they were going to call curling inside the the far post, and he's reached across a couple of times and pushed them back. The only criticism I would have with Ross and it's with the fan base is is coming for crosses, coming for high balls, is he likes to sit in the six yard box quite a lot in our league. Sometimes that's that's not the the dumb thing. You've got to come out and demand the ball and, and command try command your, your box a little bit more. But as a shot stopper he's been fantastic. And that's that stop he, he had on Saturday against McConaughey was absolutely crucial because as I say, if Colby and Nick the first goal there, suddenly their mentality changes a little bit. They've got a goal ahead. But keeps him in the game. It's a one-on-one. He stands up tall and he's very good in one-on-one situations as well as the, the shot stopping. So, so yeah, look, he's, he's uh, I mean, as we've talked about in previous pods here, Peter, I'm a big fantasy football man, as you know, and poor old Ross is sitting at the bottom of the table at the minute because Carrick haven't been keeping too many clean sheets and obviously that unmentionable at Crusaders earlier in the season. Cost him a few points, but certainly in terms of winning games for his, and keeping clean sheets for his club, he, he's doing a real good job.
0: Well, stick it with Car before we talk about Coleraine. Your manager, Styr King talked about this after the game. Talks about 12 cup finals um, between now and the end of the season. What is a top side six team? Let's just call it the traditional top six and be done with it. I mean, you only have three more games against traditional top six sides we now in the end of the season. So out of those 12, nine of them are "quote unquote bottom six sides. You are currently sixth. This is in your hands. Isn't it? It's totally in your hands to to take forget what happened the rest of the season. You've you've now got a brand new league, brand new competition, no other cups. It's now about getting into this playoff. It might not last very long, but that 6th place is still an advantage and you never know where it can go after that. So despite probably feeling a bit gutted last week from that Glen Alvin result, now you can see the road in front of you and the goal is very clear. Win out and you've got a chance for a, a little trip to, I don't know, Montenegro?
1: <laughs> uh, listen, I think you made a really good point earlier on when, when you first brought up the game that Carrick have been extremely resilient this year and I think that's been the big change since this year, but not only that, last year when, when Stuart King came in, very down to earth, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, he knows there's going to be tough days ahead at the club he's at and there have been but they've been able to bounce back really well from from, from poor periods of form and this year especially as you've mentioned there, so that was win again and I'm, I'm gonna take you on him the task actually because we did take him to task about this because he mentioned that very stat that he said nine out of the 12 games will be against traditional bottom six sides what happens if you' finish sixth that's not really true then is it because you're gonna have to play the top five then <laughs> so it's a different it's a different thing so if you' finish sixth you're no longer playing the bottom five sides and that should be the goal now we should want to finish sixth because that guarantees you you know a shot at European football. And you, you're really saying it may last one game, but that's not the point. That that's that's the goal for the club. They wants. Stewart is a very very ambitious manager. That's why the club brought him in because of his ambition and his hunger. And he continues to show that week in week out. He's not everybody's cup of tea, but he's damn sure he's popular at Carrick Fergus Rangers. You know what I mean? It's and if he took us to sixth or seventh, he's just he's just making another step on the ladder. Um, that he said he was going to so it'd be great, great, to, great to get those playoffs this year it really would.
0: That's that where the last time Carrick went out at uh, the Colerain showgrounds being 1994 like a top six finish Carrick in this day and age is like a multi-decade best performance it would be incredible now for them but it was a great day for Carrick but you know, we've talked about it a couple of weeks that is what the sixth loss in a row for all competitions for Coleraine. it's like They've had one win in almost double figures now around there somewhere. As much as... Sure, King is a popular man in Carrick, Fergus. Unfortunately, Oran Kearney is is just not that. His his side are looking meek. They're losing consistently here. Mm. That loss to Carrick is just another one shocked up. It's from bad to worse to terrible, like... What, what was your making of, of the performance from Cole Rain? You know, we saw all three of their January editions there play but there's new players but the, res- the results are currently staying the same yeah. and they are now absolutely on the outside looking in when it comes to the top six. Look, it's it's one point difference but they're not getting results from, from anywhere and I'm sure for Cole Rain the absolute bare minimum was sixth. That was standing still. The idea was to push forward. So, I mean, they're going to be scrapping between now and the end of the season just to meet the lowest of expectations they they had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned about the three players coming in. It made it made no difference, really. They just look bereft of, of confidence. And, and there's not... I, I get that there's a there's a three team league at the top and they are above everybody else, but there's not a massive amount between the rest of the teams. And sometimes it does just come down to momentum, confidence, and how you're playing a style of play. And they just they just looked like there was there was just no style of play that they used to have under under Oren Kearney. And you just knew what you were getting with with Coleraine. And, and and going up there, I, I can assure you, Craig fancied their chances just at the time of of playing cold and they really fancied their chances. And, you know, I was I was at the Glenarvon game against Craig last week and I had the radio on in the background and every single goal that was in at the oval, I just thought this is getting serious now. And, you know, I'm sure everybody was the same. This is a game changer. You don't lose 6-0 in, in an Irish league game and, and don't feel the pressure. And I thought that this could be this could be a game changer, as I say, but the board to be fair stood firm of them and gave him his chance to reset. And I've just I've just been following the Coleraine story quite a bit over the past few weeks. I've no no real insight into, into the club itself, but I've just been watching around. And just this media stuff going around right now, I mean, obviously, totally deplore all the, all the personal stuff that, that Lauren Kearney's getting and, and has had, but I just found it quite sort of contradictory in terms of the two sides of the of the media side. Stuart King mentioned after the game that some of the stuff that was coming out of Coleraine pre-match was about how this was the reset we're going to get going this weekend and that really motivated the kike players. And I've just watched Doran Kearney's interviews over the past few weeks and he's always been kind of kind of pushing it down the line a wee bit to the next week and the next week and the next week. And I suppose when your job's under pressure, that's maybe what you do. But pre sort of January and December it was we're we're going to get to January and get some players in, in the next few weeks. Then he got the players in and then last week he was saying we're going to get some players back from injury. They're slowly coming back. We'll be all right next week. And then this week, he was sort of saying, you know, Jamie McGonagall would have scored that if he had another few weeks. He'll maybe score that in a few weeks' time. So he just kind of keeps kicking it down the line a wee bit. And for me, somewhere along the line, if he doesn't get results fairly quickly... That's that kicking it down the can, the can's gonna come, you know, be stood on and, and, and that will be that I'm afraid. And it's a huge weekend this weekend for, for Cole Rain when when Glenavon come.
0: Well, one thing I didn't say there before about this race for Europe is that it's it's two leagues, isn't it? Because if you get into sixth within the next seven games, that's you locked in. You know, and then there's five more games where you can lose everything else. Then the other teams are battling. So, I mean, there is a time limit for whoever happens to be sitting in sixth first. And then you have yeah. the split where there's five more games where teams can win out. And it means zilts to the sixth team there. So, like, for Corian, you've seen with massive hammerings at the likes of Glen when they've faced adversity, they've capitulated. And it's clear that this squad, this team, is not up to what Corain want to do. And as much as they can continue to make alterations in January, they can't make the overhaul that I'm sure they'll want to in regards to not only incomings, but outcomings. It does look so difficult now for them because as much as we talk about for Carrick, how they have teams in the traditional bottom six in the majority for the next couple of games between now and that split corey and have three games against traditional bottom six sides it's all tough games against your linfields and your lawrence and everybody else bar glenavon this weekend nuri and, and by the time the swifts come around it might be home and hose and they'll not be facing the top six side between now and the end of the season unless they get in the playoffs so Especially in the short term where it'll go Glen and then a couple of top six sides. There's not a lot of room for, or at least easy room, for Oren to try and change things up. Or he's going to have to get a huge result for the, from this team. And perhaps what we're going to see here is that the people who are in charge of Corey and Go, this season has fallen apart, which there's no doubt it has. Anybody externally can see that and internally. And perhaps... They're just waiting for the summer to restart again and this feeling that there's pressure on Owen Kearney, it's like, well, there, there isn't, it hasn't worked out and they're, and they're going to give it a go in the summer or if there's going to be a change, it's going to be in the summer there. it, it it's, it's something where I think we're all on manager change watch for Coleraine and, and I feel like I've been there and now I'm I'm on the other side where I'm like, perhaps it can't get any, any worse for Coleraine and they're going to stick by them. You know, they've, they've made their statements saying, we're going to get better or they're hoping to get better and they're, they're going to trust their man. So uh, it's not it doesn't feel like a week-to-week thing. Of course, watch it all change this weekend. But I mean, it, it, it's a team that needs an overhaul from an identity point of view, from a squad po- playing point of view. It, it needs to all start again. And you can see some of those elements in Brown and Scott and McGonagall. If there's going to be changes, those three are not going to be the ones that are, are, are shifted in June bar an absolutely terrible end of the season. But there's no doubting here while Linfield and Lauren and Cliftonville stay consistent. What's happening up on the North coast is a massive story right now that everyone's following and it's just not a positive one.
1: Who Who's to say what's right and what's wrong here? You know, Coleraine, we're all, we're all very knee jerk and getting rid of managers. You know, as soon as a couple of results don't go our way, we're suddenly shouting at the manager, but you know, it's his, he has to get a tune out of his players now and got to get something. I mean, the amount of goals that they're conceding now is astronomical for a Coleraine side at that level. You know, they're over fifty now, and that's not it's not something that you should be building a team around is, you know, it's not looking good for them. And how they turn it around, that's Warren Corney's job. I mean that's what he's there for at the difficult times.
0: Football, it should really be a simple game. I guess it is a simple game. Score lots of goals, don't concede many and you'll you'll win in week in and week out. That just seems like Cliffenville's answer it's like what the yeah. Cliftonville do well we scored lots of goals and we don't really concede many and we went out which yeah. is what they did against balamina i decided to throw my dice into the mix there and say <laughs> maybe we could have seen a shock of course we didn't it was Cliftonville things they pass it around they make you concede penalties they just dazzle you with with passing and goals and work. And then look, it's that man again. It's Ronan Hill. He's excellent. He's great. This is a really good team. And it's 3-0. And it was all capped off by a beautiful goal from Ronan Doherty. Who needs Chris Gallagher,
1: I guess? Yeah, I um... Sort of thought about that goal and I, I tried to think of a few adjectives. I sort of went into the word and put the word beautiful in and tried to find some synonyms for that for beautiful and uh, picturesque and thing came up. But whatever you wanted, that was just I mean, I don't know why you saw one of the fans had, had taped it from behind the goals and it looked even just a beautiful angle of him dropping the shoulder to lose his defender and then the curl on the left foot right into the top corner showing he didn't even move. And it was just a, a perfect ending for Cliftonville, just that little bit of quality. Because, I mean, again, for the three teams at the top, none of their managers actually said that they played well last weekend, but they all came away with clean sheets and three wins and, and you know, they just marched on. So none of them really played to their highest capability, but Glenville were good enough here, you know. Um, plenty of half chances hit the bar a couple of times and, you know, and then just that, as I say, that that perfect finish from Ronan Doherty. But you've mentioned about, about the penalty. I don't know whether you've Dear may, I wasn't I wasn't a happy man about that one. You know, he's Dylan Boyle, I think it was at the back. He has left his leg out, but really, really just goes over it and it looks like a penalty. Uh smelt like a penalty, but when you actually looked at it a little bit more, it did look very, very soft and, and sort of Dylan Boyle turning around thinking that's gone for a cold kick. And then suddenly, oh the hands go up in the air, he's giving a penalty. I just oh, thought that was a little bit soft.
0: You know what? It passes the eye test at, at least nine yeah. times out of ten. Like yeah. I'm sitting here now, clicking through the fr- like the the frames as you go along, and perhaps <laughs> you could argue. But I mean, I didn't even have a question mark. Wasn't even a note. I wasn't even gonna bring it up because I thought it was pretty clear cut. But again, that's that's what Cliftonville do to you. They constantly get the ball in the box, and if you are a team in the bottom six, a especially team like Balamina away. You are going to panic because you, if you don't hassle them out of the way, they're going to pull off a tight little cross. That they're going to beat you, and this is exactly what Cliftonville do. It's all about one on ones. It's all about duels and they went out consistently. Didn't even need Roy Hill. One thing I'd say about this is that Balamina looked firm. Like the way I say, I feel like they've improved defensively is that at the start of the season and particularly just after that start of the season. They look hapless. There, there was lots of silly mistakes. Like just ball would fall in. No one goes for it. Aren't clearing it. And that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yes they're not winning week in and week out. They're not scoring a bag full of goals. Fraser Taylor constantly looks a threat when he's on the ball. But they have tightened up. They have limited those moments where you can give the other team an edge. And that, that's that's a decent foundation that they can build on. They've got that gap between them and Uri. And with those games ticking away, if they can avoid losing and maybe sneak the odd the win here, which I think they've done against Korean, which doesn't seem that they sneaked it now, but at the time they definitely did, and against Glenavon, this is a team who could just get by. They, they've definitely got to progress and move on and build on this beyond this season if they can get out of this season with their premiership status alive. But I can see... The fingerprints of Jim Irvine on this side, and if they can keep that up, they're looking all right.
1: Point you're kind of making there is that previously you didn't have to to sort of beat Palomino. they beat themselves a wee bit. You know they were given away, but on Saturday there, for example, Clivenville still had to go and beat them. They had to, had to put their chances away. They you know it wasn't just a. Turn up, they'll give us a few freebies in the box and we'll, we'll stick them away and we'll win. we'll win comfortably. But I mean, it do look as if they've got a little bit in both boxes now, whereas it did look as if they were sinking towards the bottom fairly quickly. But um, Taylor looks real live wire in the middle of the park. He's, he's got that MO now of just picking the ball up 60 yards out and running with it and seeing where it goes.
0: We'll wrap up uh, the trio of victories for the top three with uh, Lauren being able to shake off that slight little hoodoo that the Swifts have had over them this season by winning out 2-0 at Stangmore Park. Uh, Another gutsy performance from the Swifts but they aren't able to absolutely finish the job against some of the best teams in the league. I mean, Dungannon totally fine here. I don't think they're going to have any issue with relegation trouble. They are scoring goals. They're looking tighter at the back and the story of their season has been that they've looked good but haven't really been able to get results. I think on this occasion, the quality of Lauren rung true and it's probably the fitness as well that the likes of the Miller just knows to follow on from that uh, uh, Joe Thompson long shot. The Swifts look great. They're just beaten by a better side.
1: Wholeheartedly agree that there's, there's not going to be any issues at Dungannon Swifts. In fact, I mentioned earlier that I, I think they could could even get into the mix for the for that sixth and seventh eventually if if, if we keep going. They just look like a look like a Rodney McAree team again now. Um they do look more solid. They've got a, a structured way of playing. He looks as if he's got it going and and just just probably on the back of, of Tuesday night's disappointment they did play. You know, we're mentioning about teams not playing, other teams having to play more fixtures. When you're Dungannon, you're having to play twice in the week and you're up against Lauren on a Saturday. You know, it, it does take its toll on you and you know and just that extra little bit of quality from 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 Larner just got them over the line. They'll be disappointed, Dungannon, that they, they didn't get anything out of the game, but that's you know that's the top teams in the league, you know. And just with that semi-final loss, as I say, a little bit tough on them, but they've got a tie away at Ballyclare now coming up. You know, that'll not be easy. Ballyclare doing quite well in the championship, but if they can get through that, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh the Swifts can give the, the cup a bit of a bit of a charge this year as well at the Irish Cup as well so I think I think they'll, they're, they're okay at the minute
0: It's inches not miles for the Swifts I mean it's Joe Thompson almost loses that ball before he lets rip and again it's Miller is able to run onto it on a, on another occasion that ball doesn't fall back into, into Scott and it gets knocked in and, and we're, we're sitting here with a nil-nil draw or or one of those great old breakaways from the Gannon steps away and it's another great result for the Swifts over Lawrence so I mean I I don't want to down them with faint praise, but this is a side I think will push on the rest of the season. And with it being four or five points away, maybe six away from, from Carrick, they look good against bottom six sides in particular. And uh, they'll have the confidence with nothing really to lose. We will look ahead to this weekend's games in a mo. Not as much toing and throwing in the transfer market as we approach its. Final week we did see two incomings for crusaders which we mentioned there alongside joshua we also added in mackalinen um you know all this talk of of benji mcgee now there's talk that he's going to stay at block all um which is slightly surprising i think he's got a contract uh this summer but look we all know how uh irish league contracts work they're Kind of a mystery. Maybe he's got longer there. Maybe he will stick uh, between now and uh, the end of the season. And, you know, we heard Lauren saying that they want to, they don't want players going out, but they would be happy to add a few more players in. I'm, I'm sure that's Lauren's mantra all the time. There's still plenty of, of teams sniffing around. Cliffenville's players talking the papers that a bit from Malin's been rejected. Did the crew stick a bid in for Kilimarin from Dungannon? Don't know. These are just other people that are, are putting it out there or the journalists putting it out there into the mix. So, quiet, but um, I wonder are, are teams just happy enough with the way things are going? Again, the top sides must feel like they're doing alright. At the bottom, is there really much movement? The, the fire stuff in. I, I think with, with the crews in particular, I mean, playing Burns and Laurie as your centre-backs for a half with Forsyth being dropped into right back does sort of say that you're at the bottom of your depth chart, which is strange because you know whereas Corey Burns, he he isn't playing. We saw Jay Boyd at the top of the pitch, come in. He didn't get any any minutes there on on Saturday. So again, with with the cruise, the question is, how much if they're going to bring somebody in, is it worth doing it short term or or do they look further ahead? Feeney's come out for Glentoran and and said that he doesn't want to You know, waste any money he wants to to do it right but in turn this isn't really his squad so if he wants to change things up and and get into Europe maybe he wants to tweak things further but uh, yeah interesting couple of days I've seen in the past couple of years that deadline day has been more exciting than it used to be in the league and perhaps we just need uh, the little dagger above everybody else of, of a deadline to to force through some more deals,
1: I I can see that happening. Been quite a, a lot of moves in the championship already, but so, not so much in the in, in the Premiership so far. But I could certainly see a few happening towards towards deadline dead, as you said. It does seem to have got a bit more sort of traction over the past few years. I, I looked at I looked at Crusaders in particular in terms of of transfers, and when I saw that potential bid for for Keelan Myron, I can and look I can certainly see. Why, why they'd be looking at that, and uh, you know, and trying to get some players in to to shore it up. I, I look at Glenn Torn's quote as well, Warren Finney's quote about you spending money. I'm just looking at Crusaders, thinking, you know, yeah, you've got a wee bit of money in the background, obviously to spend, but w- what's the point at the minute of them going out and making a big money signing if that player's going to be available in the summer? Because, you know, Crusaders are not going to challenge for the title. That chip's gone. But they're also not going to f- drop out of the top six. So, I mean, they're going to finish in that top six position. They're going to get a playoff. They're now out of the cup. So, that would have been their old last couple of years. We're going to keep playing for the cup, try and qualify for Europe via the cup. That, unfortunately, is gone for them as well. So, if they go out and spend £30,000, £40,000 on a, on a, on a centre-half or a, or a back, Where's it going to get them this season? You know, is it really going to be that beneficial to them this season? Could they keep that money and then go big in the in the summertime and try and build a squad again? And the other thing they could do is up top, you know, could you start to blood those younger ones and, and sort of see what they can do for the rest of the season and try and sort of even if it's to see if they're if you don't think they're good enough and, and next year you can say, right, well, we've given you seven, eight games towards the end of the season our opinion is you're not up to the standard. We're going to bring other people in. Because at the minute, you know, Young... I mean, they brought Nixon in, obviously, from Carrick via Queens. And I'd heard that possibly James Thielen was, was part of that deal. It may, may come to fruition, may not. But, you know, James Thielen was was, was touted at the start of the season as, as you know, he's going to watch Paul Heatley for a season and then step into his shoes. But he's hardly he's hardly had a kick for Crusaders for at the minute. And, you know, bringing another winger in pecks him down the order a little bit more again. So looking at Crusaders, it's really who, interesting. who jumped ahead
0: of him in the team on Saturday as well. Yeah,
1: so 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 you know you're thinking you're thinking is it, is he going to be hanging around or you know is it long term? And then you look at other clubs. I just think at this time of year it's very difficult for clubs to say, well, do we go out and spend a lot of money to try and get to a position where we where we sort of could get to, and then if it doesn't go well. That budget is so much less in the summer because we've gone hard in January. So that's maybe why you're seeing a little bit of a little bit of patience, maybe um, weariness of, of going in right now. But it's the old thing if one domino falls the last few days could could be quite interesting.
0: Eyes peeled, Twitter bands will be here. Just stay tuned to Ad Kick Imagine. I'll try and get all the ones I'll try to get the news straight to you with some quippy remark. So Six games, all going well, in the grace of God. We'll go to Friday. It's the one that's pencilled in for the stream. Can Cliftonville deal with the trampoline park that is Taylor's Avenue? Oh, boy. I think they can.
1: Yeah. Um Well, obviously, I, I, I sort of mentioned about the three teams at the top, and I hope that it, it would go, go well for all three of them, and we have a really good... Really good charge at it for the last few weeks of the season, but obviously this Friday I'll be hoping that uh, the Cliftonville get a little bit derailed this this Friday and then they can go on and, and win all round them. Yeah, look, it'll be it'll be tough Cliftonville. have played a couple of times down down at the, the Lockview this year and the County them Shield. They were turned over with obviously a bit of a second string, but when they played again, it was a very interesting game. It was the first Sunday game I think, if you remember, um, during the international break we played on a Sunday and. Again, kudos to Cliftonville for for actually agreeing to that. A lot of clubs didn't agree to a Sunday game, and uh, Cliftonville give it a go. And I think I think if I remember back to the game, it, the crowd was up by about 25 30 percent that Sunday. Well over twelve hundred in in that day. So a normal Cliftonville game probably would only get eight or nine hundred. So we were all, and there was a. Whole squad of Denmark fans in that that day as well, um, so it was really interesting to see, and they made a lot of noise. But it was a really good game. Um, Kike really played well and just didn't take their chances. Cliftonville were were clinical, uh, and Rory Hill had one of his days, and he just was 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 a class above that day. And we talk about the pitch, but it didn't matter to him. He, he was able to sort of run the game that day, and he was the difference between the two teams on that afternoon. Um, so look, it'll be it'll be tough. For Cliftonville, I'm not saying it's gonna be gonna be easy. They they may well come out on top, but uh, fancy fancy a jersey That maybe maybe nick a draw.
0: I kind of do as well, but then it feels like I'm just trying to recorrect what I said last week that Balamina might have the shock of the season by sneaking something <laughs> in. So like I kind of can see this being a one-one-nil-nil. And I mean, just all of the balls that Cliftonville are trying to play on the deck are just not going for them? They get so close up to the other end of the pitch, and it's just go. It bubbles away. It goes against them, or they aren't able to keep it at their at their feet. So I'm not trying to overplay the the bubble there, but I, I you know I mean it doesn't it doesn't exactly suit their their style of of nip and tuck and and, and fast passing. But in turn and as well as that, you know it's not like Cliftonville have a plan B in a big burly man that they can just fire it in after countless corners to try and knock it in kind of thing. It's just not their style of play. So I can see that frustrating them, but I, I will just go. I'm going to say 3-1 here to the Reds. I, th- I think Carrick will, will snatch something here, but it will not be the points, unfortunately. Uh, another game on Friday. It is Lorne against Nury. Nury got a little break after their game against the was uh, wiped away by the weather. I mean, Nury almost got a great result against Lorne early in the season at the showgrounds. But I mean nobody's getting results at Inver Park and I wouldn't have the bottom team in the league high on my list of potential streak killers there.
1: I think that Lauren team you're talking about that was playing at that stage was a little bit of a different animal to the Lauren team that's that's uh, on show at the minute. So uh, look, it's it's top v bottom, you know. It's a, well, not quite top, but you understand what I mean. It's a top two team against against the bottom side. Yes, Barry Gray's come in and, and given a little bit of bounce factor, as he said at the but you're going to you're going to one of the toughest places to go to. Look, the only the only thing I would say is obviously, you know, a lot a lot of talk about it around the league about, about Lauren playing on Friday nights, but they're going to play Saturday, Tuesday, and then Friday. So they've actually brought this game. To a Friday night at home, which they usually do, fair play to them, because they're trying to uh, develop, develop the crowd, etc. But, you know, they're going to play Tuesday Friday now, so yes, they've got a big squad, and who knows who's going to play on Tuesday night in the, in the County Anthem Shield final, but, you know, playing Tuesday Friday, the only thing that may sort of give New a squeak here is if they can hang on for 60-70 minutes, possibly a little bit of fatigue kicked in. Obviously, the, the professionalism of Lauren. Um, the fitness should be better, but you know maybe to give Nuri a little bit of a chance, hold on for sixty or seventy, and hope that Lauren get a little bit tired towards the last twenty and can't push it home. But I think we're clutching at the clutchiest of straws there.
0: Okay, you're thinking Lauren is some sort of like tired matador that'll just wave, wave the the red or pink cape, <laughs> trying to tire out Nuri because Lauren is so wrecked from whatever happens on the Tuesday evening and the. Cut Adam shield and then at the end they stick the sword in. Oh. I think they will. And I, I think the Matador <laughs> with the sword that game yeah. will be a Lee bonus who is very much looking to get back on track when it comes to his scoring record. Gonna say 2 0. Nuri will say we're getting better, but we're not close. And uh, they move on. Saturday, one of my favorite fixtures of the season so far. Balamina, Lockall. Always a bit fun. Goals going back and forward. And I think that will actually be the undoing of Balamina. They don't score many. Lockall like to score plenty. And I think that's why they're going to win out 3-1.
1: Could be a big game this for Balamina Because if they can't get this home win, and, and we, we do expect Nuri to lose in, that will be a seven-point gap they've, they've opened up there at, at the bottom. Lockall, obviously, a bit of a strange time for them as well. They're slap-bang in the middle of that that. European spot, and would we have said that at the start of the season? That coming into the last dozen games of this season, Lockhall or May would have qualified for Europe, but they're, they're still slap bang in the middle of that, as I say. And if they can, they can pick up points here, I, I actually see this being a very high scoring draw. I go two, two, even three each year. I could see this being a real, real humdinger um, for the Saturday at, uh, at radio, and uh getting back to the, the, guy, the guy at the game every every couple of minutes to say there's been another goal at the Showgrounds here so i could see that being 3-3 or maybe something next to seven goaler
0: usually would be my special a little bit on the line here where i would say i can't talk about last week i think lock will win here and they are almost safe they would make it a pretty decent difference in them and balamina it's like a six pointer in that regard when it comes yeah. to being dragged into even yeah. 11th. So, I mean, a lot for Lockall to play for. I think that's a team who knows that uh, staving off relegation was their aim. It ain't done yet, I'm sure, in their eyes. And there is also the little brass ring they could get with a European playoff spot. So, yes, 2-2 for you. I'm going to say 3-1. We'll remain with Saturdays. We've got nowhere else to go. Glenn's Cruz. How will Glens be off the back of their... County Antrim Shield will they be tired will they look for revenge will they be on cloud nine I saw a better crew side there I believe they might have Heatley back will they maybe play the likes of Leckie or Owens from the start I think this could be a little interesting litmus test as when it comes to European places rather than playoff spots but actually winning it it could come down to these two at the end of the season if the Cups go to one of the top three and the top three stays the top three so who gets a little bit of the advantage here? I mean it is a home game for the crews so I kind of fancy another score draw here but again Glentoran and the team here are in semi a bit of form.
1: Yeah I, I think you made a really good point there that it maybe doesn't mean that much in it's in itself at the minute but you know, winning this game could get you into the, that fourth position. And if one of those top three sides do win the cup, that could get you a home game in the playoffs, etc. So, you know, um could could be useful. And you know, these two have these two have had a little bit of needle in the last couple of months. The last game there, there was a, a good bit of needle and I think actually a big injury to, to Bobby Burns at that that stage was thankfully he's back. And uh, I just think Glenn Torn, just a wee bit of form now and Crusaders just not sure what their plan is at the minute. Are they are sort of heading for? I just don't see a, a, a real structure there at the minute. They can be good and bad, very inconsistent, as that would suggest. So I just think Glen Torn hitting a wee bit of form, had a, had a little bit of break, but I do think a lot of it will come down. There's a bit of a cliche here on how they do form on, on Tuesday night. If they come out of that with a trophy, I think the dressing room will be buzzing and they can see where they're going. Lose line on, on Tuesday and they might feel a little bit sorry for themselves, so, but I think they could do quite well on Tuesday as well, and I think I think Glen Torrent could win this one um, by the odd goal.
0: Glen Glenavon. We talked about it earlier on, just how this is a small little window before the real wolves come after Coleraine. It's at home again. Oh, if you're a Coleraine fan right now, you're thinking everybody looks like this big monolithic enemy right now. But you know, Glenavon come off. A real stinger of a loss to Portadown still in their memories. They aren't able to change much against Glen in that game on Friday after being cancelled. So, I mean, do they have a bit of life, spark themselves up for Corrine? It's a it's a weird fixture. Usually I feel like Glenavon get a good result up at the Corrine Showgrounds. But I feel like I have to back them here again to do something similar. And which I probably will do. I think it's, it's, it's a 2-1 maybe to Glenavon. And it's just... Another weekend, Groundhog Day of of the same thoughts and feelings when it comes to the core side of things.
1: Yeah, I think I think come this time next week, I think you could be chatting to somebody else saying the same things about Colerain because I do think that can go up there and and get a result. Um, Caledonian need to win or at least, at the very least, get a. Performance out in a draw, but they they cannot lose this game. I can't see it's just the protests just growing, and growing, and growing, and everything just becomes a the rolling stone gathering just every every weekend. So they need a performance, and whether or not just have watched them on, on Saturday. the the, the lack of confidence, whether or not Orrin Kearney can just galvanize that team and and say, right, look, just even. Maybe give an old braveheart speech before it or something, and say, "Come on, lads, we've got to, we've got to do this one more time," and, and just get something out of the players. It would be re- listen, it would be great to see if he could turn it around and and get something out of them. It'd be a really nice story, just turning it around. But I just think that Avon, Steve McDonald, will be doing something similar after that quarter down game, and I think they just might have a wee bit of quality on the break here, and uh, and could could win this one.
0: Revenge game for both keepers with them doing the swap. Maybe both teams will know their weakness yeah. and it'll be a mad 6-7 yeah. game because, I don't know, one team will aim for insert keepers here, bottom left-hand corner, because they know that's where he can't save. So <laughs> we'll see what <laughs> happens there. We end with potentially one of the more predictable results of the weekend. Dungannon go to Linfield, try and get a, a bit of revenge for the... Cup semi-final loss. Pretty much the way we started this podcast. Dungannon did give Linfield one heck of a scare. Before the new year there. But Linfield continue to do the business at Winter Park. And unless I see otherwise. Especially with Joel Cooper getting a couple of minutes. Could he come in from the start? I mean Linfield have the quality to win out. They have that big massive pitch and the advantage of playing on it. So... Dungannon give us give us the biggest shock of the season again because I think they have probably provided the 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 biggest overturning results so far. This added to your collection.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, look, uh, here here's my my Peter Cinnamon ballomina moment coming up here. I I think Dungannon can get something here. I, I do think they can they can get a result here. Um, I think they can possibly get a draw uh, and maybe even nick it. But I, I do think they're worthy of a draw here. I think they're playing. Good football, and uh, as I said earlier in the, in the show there, I think Rodney Macquarie's got his team playing the way he wants them to play now. He's got the personnel now he wants. He's got the target man up front now and, and a few guys that can play him off him. And I just think them they are getting by at the minute, and eventually I think they will click. I do really think that they will click and give us that three-team run-in for the, for the for the league. But I just think this game could, could close it up a little bit because I do think Lauren will win. Cliftonville, yeah, and uh, you know I think Linfield could maybe drop a couple of points here.
0: Could you imagine I'm sitting here this time next week and all three of them drop points exactly the same weekend. That would just be typical, <laughs> but I, I, I can't see it. I think Linfield went out It'd be a good pod. <laughs> it would be a good pod, I'll tell you that. Um, I think Linfield went out 2-0 <laughs> here. However, I will prefix that with the point of uh, Linfield are creaking at times, and when it all falls down, I'll go, we all saw coming. But I feel like I've been saying that for weeks now. So, 2-0 you know infield and, and that's our wrap. Ali, there was not as many games to talk about, but we squeezed plenty of chat in. Great little week as we talked about only a few more days, minutes, hours of the January transfer window to entices. But I mean, it's mad to think that we are only a few weeks away from single digits. In this this league calendar, it's all it's all speeding along very very quickly. But as I say at at this juncture every week, sir, where can people find other things that yep. you lay your hands to?
1: Yeah, um, on my Twitter feed. Um, I'm at drawing the trade is on on my Twitter feed is my personal one. Obviously, I still do the Sunday Life, which is coming up towards their own very. Very big transfer window coming up at the at the start of February. That'll be coming in for, if you want to change a few players there. That'll be coming in. So keep an eye on the Sunday day for that. My Twitter feed there is at Sunday SL Fantasy. So that keeps me busy for the rest of the season. It's uh, really enjoyable and it gets me gets me really involved in the league, like and to see players obviously coming and going. And we're getting to the business end of that, the competition. So so that should be good as well. And and obviously with with the football and, and I'm a, a big cricket man as well as you know Peter the cricket season coming up uh, in, in April I'll be doing a lot of commentaries and you'll catch me on on YouTube and uh, and across the the, the webs and uh, things like that during the, during the summer doing a lot of cricket work.
0: Any talk of artificial surfaces in the cricket world? Any debates over moving to a winter season there and like that?
1: No. Well, no. no you've, you've mentioned it. There's been a lot of talk about dropping pitches and things like that. Obviously, um, but yeah, look, it, it is a thing. Obviously, the lower leagues and, and here we have gone. The artificial pitches. You can't play on artificial, artificial. You're, you're joking me, actually no 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 absolutely yeah It just means you can you can play then and uh, a lot of most most practice pitches for for training is artificial it's like astroturf so just the actual this is the actual wicket i'm talking about now not the Mm -hmm. outfield the outfield has to be grass but your actual wicket can be can be artificial so um most most clubs have an artificial wicket for training but as far as going for the whole astroturf for the whole game uh that's a long way off (laughs)
0: I know this is probably very niche and I, and I doubt any of them are of like to a high ability but I've heard on the grapevine that there's a couple of Irish league players who aren't a uh, a bad hand at uh, the old uh, cricket is there anybody that you happen to know off the top huh. of your head who who, who aren't bad with I either a, a ball or there, or right? a bat
1: well actually the guy we were talking about earlier that moved from uh, from down to Dungannon Andy Mitchell was a was a very very good cricketer for Waringstown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really good. He's a wicketkeeper. Um really excellent. Uh, straight, quite strange because he obviously he's quite tall and uh usually wicketkeepers are quite sort of stocky but uh he was an excellent wicketkeeper for for Waringstown and obviously the Waringstown glenavon story goes goes quite deep, you know, uh, Adam Dennison the Dennisons um, that, that played at Warrington, obviously very connected with with um, Glenavon and Adam Dennison, who currently plays with Glenn, with Warrington. His cousin is Gary Hamilton, so um, they're all they're all very connected that 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 club. So yeah, lo- loads of switchovers, and that's obviously my worry. Then if if the summer football comes in, that that'll, that'll never happen again. Then you know, as I go back to my my roots, it was it was always if you ever remember a, a, a comic called The Tiger. It had a had a strip called Billy's Boots, and Billy's Boots used to tell him where to go. in the football season, he put these boots on, but in the in the off season, he would put the cricket boots on and go and play cricket. And that's the way it used to be. You'd play football up to May, stop, play cricket then, and start your football up again in in September. And I would love to get back to that, but unfortunately, footballs a, a 52 week 52 week thing now, which which uh, which is just the way the way things move. move. But uh, yeah, look, uh, it'd be great to see uh, boys playing both sports again.
0: I could go on and talk about how really that's why the footballs played during the winter because of the cricket season. You only need to look, look back at the history of Cliftonville. Yeah. That was, of course, <laughs> cricket and then it was football. But we will so halt there. That's between you and your YouTube search engine, dear listener. It's been a pleasure, Ali. Until next time. <laughs> I don't know if my acoustics sound a wee bit differently today or this week, I don't know, it probably sounded exactly the same. And updates to a room that you never see, listener, I've got a new bookcase behind me, it's kind of just up to my left hand side shoulder, it's it's pretty good, it, it's going to keep all my random Stephen King books that I just keep buying now. Um, I did see this week that he, I didn't know this because I haven't got this book just yet, he actually wrote in, was it uh, Bucky Thistle into one of his books, and If It Bleeds, um i can't read yet because i need to get through other books to get there but you know i I did listen to that and i thought you know what that is a very very stephen king like it's just such a kind of a daft and kind of cutesy name i'm like yeah i totally get why he would do that i don't know all the smart people on tv seem to have like bookcases behind them so maybe it's a thing thanks for listening i hope you're well i hope you're warm that's the more important thing i've already told you that you can subscribe and follow this podcast pretty easy maybe you want to sit back with a book and listen to this podcast at the same time but you can't be bothered to get a phone out or or tap the podcast to play it but if you happen to have a smart device you can just go hey smart speaker please play Kicking Match on Irish League podcast and boom you are multitasking but if you happen to have your phone or your laptop or something at you you know you can follow this podcast on social media pages and it's pretty good especially as I said with all the transfer news coming on so it's at Kicking Match on Instagram Facebook and Twitter it's all there it's easy you might even see my smiley little face every time I post it up anyway Thanks for listening. Until next time, and I'm sure there'll be a next time. Cheerio. Bye.